Welcome, ghosties, to episode 65 of the Ghost Lights podcast. I'm your host, Sam Gilstrap. This week, we sat down with Suze, Equality McLeod, and her partner in crime, theater, and life, Chloe McLeod. We talked about how they met, how their road trip across the country was just a preamble to a great book released over the course of the pandemic, and how they like to see equality meet the stage. Please subscribe today, give us a listen, and tell your friends. Dan, play that war by the Hypnotic Brass Ensemble. Sam Gilstrap, we are back here, the Ghost Lights Podcast, with two very exceptional talents, Suze and Chloe McLeod. How the heck are you, ladies? We're good. So good. Nice to yeah. Sam. Yeah. That's <laughs> flattering us up front. That's smart. Well, hey, that's the, the reason why you're here is because you're both good at what you do, and you all wear lots of hats. How, <laughs> how has this pandemic been for you? <laughs> I know it just slow turn to each other like that's a great pause yeah um I actually think that this pandemic was like a strange um for us together I think mm -hmm. that the pandemic was was ugh, I hate the word blessing but was a was a good thing for mm -hmm. us um the the time that we got to spend together um the project that we've that we worked on the quarantine week by week book uh, yeah. all of that stuff i think was just really good for us and our marriage <laughs> i know that's kind of crazy no yeah. it's not it's... <laughs> chloe I, would you agree i would agree I, I mean i think initially it was just sort of a oh shit moment of like who am i if i'm not an artist um and like taking away all of the bullshit and all of the sort of the the routines that you build and how you keep your your schedule so busy to just kind of strip all that away and just be like hey how are you just to like have quality time together where we're not like oh great i can see you at this moment but then i have to get to rehearsal and then i'll maybe see you saturday before i teach and like to actually have quality time with each other i think was really good for us um and and challenging my gosh i mean it's, it's a lot of time with someone, um, but I, I, I'm grateful for it. Looking back now in the moment, terrified. Yeah. Oh, totally. It, but I, it's, I'm, I'm glad that you started off by saying that it was a relatively positive thing for you both. Cause I know some, I know a few people that have mentioned that this has been a good time for them to really take that time away from the hustle and bustle for lack of a better descriptor and focus more on themselves and, what they needed to accomplish if for the sake of a relationship, I can't imagine a, a better time to really explore just being with each other than the inability to go outside being shared by all. Yeah. What, when you are talking about some of the bullshit, pushing that aside, what do you mean specifically? I mean, I think it's really easy to get caught up in the game of, of theater and to forget mm. why you do it because you do it because you love it. And I 
I have learned how much I miss like rehearsal more than anything. Mm-hmm. And I think you get so caught up in what's the next job, what's the next show. And it becomes this, uh, this sort of like cycle that is really hard to get out of. And it's really great when you get that momentum, but it's really hard to sort of pull yourself out of it when you are in that wheel, that hamster wheel of like, what's next, what's next, what's next. Mm, definitely. Suze, would you say the same or something similar? I mean, absolutely. In terms of, in terms of the bullshit. Um, but I think, I think that it's, it's weird because I do think overall there were a lot of positive things that came out of the pandemic. Mm. And now here we are almost a year later and I'm just missing theater terribly. (laughs) Um, (laughs) And we've, we've tried our hand at some of the virtual programming and it's been really impressive to see the way that theaters have pivoted and been innovative in trying to figure out how to stay afloat and to keep artists creating art and all of that. But it's, I look forward to the day that we're able to be in a rehearsal room together within closer than six feet, um, (laughs) maybe even hugging each other. Those were the days. Right. I I miss human touch. Ugh. But maybe maybe I was being barred that but oh <laughs> just now you're just rubbing it in my face. <laughs> Sorry. For the pot for the listeners at home, my ghosties, they just <laughs> hugged each other right in front of me. It's <laughs> rude. Can you believe this? So rude. I'm Jerk. Sorry. Jerk. So, so no, you know what? I'm just a hater over here. You two, you love each other. That's great. Ladies and gentlemen, that's it for the... No, I'm kidding. And scene. And scene. So <laughs> tell me, what drew you in the theater? Uh, Suze, forgive me, where I first encountered your work was as a photographer. And then when I saw you perform for the first time, I was like, oh, shit, girls got chops. Well, thanks. <laughs> and Chloe and I had the good fortune of working together, but I had seen her at auditions in the past. So I've always known her as an actress. And for you, it was, it was the, it was a light switch moment to see you on a stage rather than taking pictures of it. Sure. How did it start for you all? Well, I have actually, I have been performing since I was a a wee one um, from really kind of as long as I can remember. I was in church plays and school plays and musicals and I took piano lessons and all of the things. And then probably about the time I hit high school, I had a really wonderful theater teacher who came to my school at when I was a freshman in high school. And so, and was only there for the four years that I was there, but it was a happenstance, I guess, that we were there at the same time. And she created a really welcoming environment. Um, She was very probably progressive for my small Georgia town. Um, and shook things up a bit, but I was really grateful for kind of the, the drive for theater to really push for it. She didn't let us get away with, uh, phoning it in as she would call it. She really tried to, (laughs) to push us to be as, as good as we could be then. And so then I ended up going to school for musical theater and, uh, then went to New York and pounded the pavement there for a while, did a couple of small gigs, uh, mostly tours out of 
out of New York. And then um, I met Chloe. <laughs> That's where we met. <laughs> That's where I lied. Were you working together? Uh, no, I did a tour of Madeline and the Bad Hat. And when we got back from tour, <laughs> you played a nun. <laughs> I played Miss Clavel. Um, and we had been on tour for six months, and we came back to New York ready and ready to uh, have a social life and party it up a little bit. And uh, one of the girls I was on tour with went to University of Miami with Susanna. And she was like, I think you got to meet this Sue's girl. I think you two are going to click. And uh, we met at like a couple of parties. Uh, and the third party, I think, that we were at, uh, Aaron made some comment to our mutual friend about the L word because I made them all watch the L word while we were on tour when we were in the van. And, and she she goes, oh, yeah, I know all about that because of Chloe. And I was like, wait, what? Like, I just had totally assumed that Chloe did not play for my team or both teams as it so happens um <laughs> and so that was <laughs> quite a quite a shift surprise and then we went on an accidental first date to coney island oh it's uh, an accidental first date well it was, it was supposed, supposed to be, to be a, a group friend thing oh it ended up just being the two of us and then my best friend but my best friend ahead of time when i knew it was just going to be the three of us i was like so I think we might be into each other. Will you kind of help me vibe this out? <laughs> so all day we like rotated. So no one was the third wheel. I got like thrown around on that wooden roller coaster. I hurt so bad. It was like, ah, cool, ah, cool. Um, and then as soon as we left Coney Island, her friend, Mary Hannah was just like, I think I got to go home. I'm going to, I'm going to call it a day. And then we got to continue the the night together and i think we ordered chinese food and we read all in the timing by david ives yeah i made her read the script with me out loud that's what really a, dorky no <laughs> Suze, that's really smooth oh yeah i got moves yeah. oh yeah well played so when you said accidental date i was thinking of every date i had been on in the past <laughs> accidental what how have your dates been accidental they they didn't like them <laughs> no no, I'm kidding. I'm kidding. Some sometimes I go for the self-deprecation and sometimes I lay down a bit thick. Ghosties at home. I'm very happy. Life is good. <laughs> what do we think Ghosties at home? You think he's full of shit? <laughs> nah. I get it. I speak the same language. I can be really self-deprecating too. Yeah. <laughs> that's that's an amazing story. My question to you is was this this theater teacher in Georgia? Is that Stacey Abrams? Because when we're talking about progressives in Georgia. Oh my gosh, I wish. <laughs> That'd be freaking awesome. Be. Uh, her name is Gloria Dossett. Shout out to Gloria Dawson. Shout out, Shout to, out to Gloria, Gloria Dossett. Hell yeah. Star. <laughs> yeah, her big, I guess she had like directed Tom Hanks at the LA Shakespeare Festival or something before she came. And so that was wow. that was all the all the rage was like, oh, she worked with Tom Hanks. But Damn, that's really good. She was, fancy. she was just a cool a, yeah. a teacher. And, a little bit crazy but in a good aren't, way aren't we all aren't all theater artists crazy that is definitely yeah. a thing the best ones yeah. are <laughs> that's that that's that bodes well for me then <laughs> chloe how did it start for you oh um you know i wasn't as much of a ham as suze was as a kid like suze you can just see that she was a little performer uh and i was a pretty <laughs> I was a pretty shy kid. I was kind of a pushover. 
I'm one of five and like whatever everyone wanted to do, I was like, I'm going to do it. Um, and my mom actually put me in a theater camp when I was like 10 to, it was like a summer theater group doing Grease. And uh, I got put in the chorus, obviously. Um, but she signed me up because she thought it would be good for me socially because I was just like shy. Um, and I think I started doing that summer program every year. And it was really that summer program that I learned that theater people were my tribe and it was a mm. safe space for me. Um, and I think it's where I kind of learned to, uh, to know that I don't have to be an outgoing person to be a performer. I sort yeah. of thought they went hand in hand. Um, and that's not always the case. Uh, so I did theater in high school. Um, and then after high school, I was like, I love musical theater. Uh, so I went to New York and I went to AMDA in New York City. I was like, I am doing this. Uh, and it was good. It, I had a good time. Um, I had really, I had really intense teachers for someone like, cause I went straight out of school, high school, I was 19. And so I don't know I was, if I was ready for the criticism I received. Mm. Um, and and how to process that uh but but overall it was good i graduated and then actually my fifth audition out of school i got the madeline tour oh shit! Uh, and i did that for like over a year and that's when i met suze and then you know everything got flipped turned upside down <laughs> <laughs> nice reference thank you at what point did you get to colorado then were you did you stay in new york working for a while after that we stayed in New York for what dating for two years after we met. Yeah. We were there for another two years or so. Okay. Nice. Um, what happened? See what had happened was <laughs> when we, when we were in the city, we, she had been on tour with Madeline and I had been on tour with other things. And so we were kept doing long distance stuff and we mm. were trying to figure out a way that we could, create art together and be in the same place and we also had done a few like small trips out of the city gone up to look at the leaves we went to niagara falls we went to dc and we realized that we really love to travel mm. and we were like you know what what if we just took a little bit of a break from new york and we started a travel web series <laughs> oh yeah oh yeah is, is is this the web series we talked about this is the web series we talked The web about. series is called Susan Clo on the Go. Oh my God. <laughs> <laughs> uh, and it is still, there are still some episodes out there on the YouTube. It is definitely dated. Yes, absolutely dated. Um, oh we, man, my phone's on the other side of the room. You are lucky. I was about to pull that up. Oh gosh. Yeah. yeah. I'm not, we're not going to give you a direct, uh, we're not going to tell anyone exactly how to look it up, but it's out there in the world. I would say all you need to do, there's a sizzle reel. It's like three minutes of the best, you know, the, the best of the best. That's all you need. You don't have yeah. to watch any of the full episodes necessarily. Yeah. Um, but that to do that, when we decided we were going to give that a go, mm. we, my parents actually were like, well, if you need a home base, you can, you can s store your stuff here and then hit the road. And so we actually ended up kind of relocating down to Georgia where I grew up. Mm -hmm. um and that was supposed to be a temporary thing and then we ended up being there for a few years my father was sick and um mm. and it, we ended up it was like again one of those happenstance things that we had moved down there and then we got to be there with him and with my mom after he passed away and um but then after a couple of years being in georgia 
after having lived in New York, we were like, oh my God, get me the fuck out of here. Yeah. <laughs> no bueno. Yeah. And yeah. Uh, Susanna had worked multiple summers at Creed Repertory Theater. Oh. So we knew some people from Creed who, you know, would go back up to Denver during the winter. And we're like, oh, we'll have a little built-in community. We could try Denver. And we had traveled through most of the country doing Susan Clow on the go. So we had a good idea of like places that we felt like we might want to try to live. Nice. So kind of impulsively, we moved out to Denver. And, and here um, we are eight years <laughs> yeah. later, almost nine eight. years later. That's amazing. Kind of crazy. Just following, following the weird path that seemed to develop in front of us. Yeah. <laughs> That's I, I'm intrigued by this story. It seems so much of the careers that I that I have been privy to in my brain as you tell the story, but born out of your relationship with each other. And and I find that just the there's a great deal of romant romanticism to that. Did your did your styles take a time take time to gel? Or did this feel like a no, we're supposed to work together and be together, like create together. The latter. Yeah. The latter. I, I think to me, the the biggest sign that we are meant to be together is the way we work as a team. It's mm -hmm. like, I cannot imagine. I've said multiple times, if I can't make a marriage with this woman work, I don't think I'll ever get married again because I don't. I don't think I can make a marriage work then. Maybe marriage isn't for me. And that's okay if that's a thing. But so far, we've we've made it. We like I said, thanks quarantine. We're still we're still yeah. <laughs> But I think I think we work well together and we kind of learned that uh initially with the web series because we mm. learned that kind of in the editing process of these episodes. We were aiming for these 20-minute episodes. So I was in charge of doing all of the sort of over overarching sort of story and going through all the raw footage and finding the good stuff and she really liked to fine-tune and so it worked out really well editing wise um and we we kind of have different ways that we approach a creative project mm -hmm. even the quarantine um book the week by week yeah it worked out really well for us because we each brought different skills to to making that happen and granted when we started it that we had no plans to make it a book. We were just needing to create mm -hmm. and, and have a project together. It felt very full circle for me to have a project together again after having so many projects not together because we've only been in one show together. Um, and we weren't even in scenes like together. So <laughs> I, it was fun home. And I just watched her creepily right. from a distance as she made out with the younger version of me on stage. You know, just weird, just weird Theater. stuff. <laughs> Life is weird. Yeah. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to Rubik's Cube and take a sip. Because <laughs> I have a great deal of respect for you both, and there's no reason for me to get fired. <laughs> That's um, From this job that I gave myself. <laughs> you seem like a tough boss. Yeah, I'm, 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 I'm a, I don't have the words for it. I'm going to move on. You, All right. You're I'll trying not to comment on my voyeurism is what's happening. Yeah, yeah, it's oh, you it's. You set him right up. You just put it on a platter. I mean, Jesus Christ! I know you as a photographer. This is getting way out of hand. <laughs> whoa, whoa, whoa! Be a professional. Whoa. Come really? on, really? that show got a lot of attention for 
for how good it was and now you're sullying it Sue. i didn't mean to sully it that was one of my favorite shows of my entire career so. <laughs> Sorry. you didn't you didn't sully anything i'm, <laughs> I'm going when we're talking about processes now i'm, I'm going to dial it back a bit when you're working on your own shows individually separate from each other does that is there everywhere any conflict there or is it supportive like running lines together and giving notes and something at, when you're working it at home or is there even time for that yeah that's a fair question yeah i think that overall we're very supportive i mm. do think that there are times we definitely will run lines with each other and then there are times where we get snippy with each other while running lines or if you give a little bit too much criticism or don't give it in a tactful enough way, sometimes it doesn't go over well. Um, and that is, I think that's one of the hardest things about both being artists. Mm -hmm. Thankfully, we're pretty different types. So we're generally not going in for the same roles, but we definitely have a few times. And, and that's always weird and, and, and we're super supportive and it's weird because, yeah. you know, we approach it differently. We, we bring very different reads if we're going for the same part generally. Mm -hmm. Well, it's good though. It's, it's still a, a relationship without ego. It seems like. Mostly we try. Mostly. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, you're always trying to remove, right? Like the ego, I think like it, it seeps in once in a while, but I, I think that's what we're always trying to aim for is to like check ourselves and mm. take the ego out of the equation. So going back a little bit, well, no, I guess what I'm saying is, do you find when you're working on a project, Chloe, we'll start with you. Yeah. Do you have a specific set way of working things? Like, are you looking for a physical gesture first or something like that? And if that's the case, however, that manifests for you when you come up with your character, mm -hmm. do you and Sue's overlap at all? Or are those distinct processes in terms of, character creation because i wonder you spent so much time together you've been able to create separate pieces of art where you're in close proximity with each other and there is no escape that there is like an overlap a bleed if you will yeah i i would say that there definitely is a bleed sometimes i tend to when i approach a character one of the first things i like to do is really get very memorized with my lines mm -hmm. um because for me having the script in my hand is so limiting uh, I, I need to memorize while I'm moving around and rehearsal is where I want to play and I don't want to be caught in my script and unable to play. Mm -hmm. That requires me to be really physical and I want to try new things that way. Uh, and I think the bleed probably comes from the fact that, you know, I think you bring yourself into every character a little bit and and we take on each other's isms without realizing we're doing it. Um, it's definitely a thing. and I think like, I do feel safe that I can come to Susan B and, and approach her and ask, okay, I'm really stuck in this role. I feel really weird. I'm getting this direction and I'm not understanding what they're asking for. Help me figure it out. And I, and I feel like that's the best part is that because we know each other so well, we can translate that to each other. If one of us is struggling in understanding a character. Does that make sense? Yeah, no, it does. Okay. It's really interesting. It's almost um, the, the two minds as one. And, and I, I don't want to harp on the 
the romanticism that I had mentioned earlier, but that's a really unique trait, this ability almost to translate the same note for each other mm. so that now it makes more sense yeah. Some, yeah, along those lines. Absolutely. Well, and it's also nice because we just, we both kind of have different, uh, different skill sets. Mm -hmm. So I was watching yesterday, I've been going through a bunch of old media trying to put together a reel and, uh, I came across a clip from the wedding singer years ago where I was playing Linda, the ex girlfriend of the lead character, who's kind of like a sex kitten. Um, just like not the way I'm usually cast, <laughs> like very in touch with her body, very sexual, like overtly sexual. Um, and so it took me a long time to get comfortable playing that character. And I remember that in one of my big numbers, it, there was a lot of kind of dead space that I didn't know how to fill. And I knew I needed some movement to fill it. Mm. Chloe is a much better dancer than I am. And I actually remember like watching the video yesterday, I was like, oh yeah, you helped me choreograph this whole number. She basically like gave me moments well and yeah and by choreograph it's not like i'm not like a choreographer i'm not a dancer dancer but like i am a mover with intention for actors like i think it's really important to continue telling the story especially in musical theater when you're not singing the story is continuing and so i can remember working on that song with her it was terrible it was really hard the side eye roll was really really well placed <laughs> Mm -hmm, mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Um, but then as we're putting together these reels, I'm doing a lot of the video editing because after Susan Chloe on the go, I actually ended up working in video production for a time. And my, I, I am now a little bit more, I have more skills in that realm than Chloe mm. does. She still has some for sure. Um, but it's just interesting the way that we're, the ways that we're able to help each other with different projects so now i'm editing her reel and she's helping me choreograph all of those kinds of things and uh, mm. it's really nice to have that definitely a little simpatico work there happening yeah nice what got suze what got you into behind the camera work well, I've always taken pictures. I, I've kind of always been a documenter. I kept mm -hmm. journals and I took tons of photos of me and my friends growing up. And um, when we started doing Susan Chloe on the go, I started taking more pictures for our social media and stuff like that. And then once we moved to Denver, I actually got a, a full-time, well, I got an internship first at the Open Media Foundation, which is an awesome nonprofit in town um, to improve my video production skills. And I ended up also doing a lot of still photography there. And then very quickly realized that I actually preferred photography over videography. I mean, f for one thing, it's way less gear and less editing intensive. So it's more time out in the field and less time in front of your computer, which mm. I'm a big fan of. Yeah. Um, <laughs> and so after I actually ended up moving from that internship into a full-time job there, and I worked there for about three years and actually wasn't doing theater um, and then realized how much I miss theater. And so decided to jump back into the audition circuit while launching my own photography business. 
And having both of those things has really been perfect for me, honestly. Mm -hmm. It's been, I think when theater was my only thing that I was doing, I almost lost some of the joy from it. It became uh, too much of the grind and I, I, it took the fun out of it. Mm -hmm. So I think having two things that I really enjoy doing, theater is definitely the thing I'm more passionate about, but I also really love photography. And so having those kind of work hand in hand has been kind of excellent. And hopefully I can continue to do that and sustain that as a, as a way to support our family. And I mean, obviously with help, but help support the family. And it helps the ADD. Yeah. <laughs> that's definitely true I, I i can imagine i mean at least at least that the the photos i saw um for your book that came out over this last year were hysterical and they <laughs> like i i loved every second of what i were i guess every image that i was able to scroll through right but um one of the things that you'd mentioned when you were talking about the, that um that grind that you were experiencing as an artist specifically acting can you put words to that, I would say, frustration you were feeling with the work as an actor during that time period or just in general? It, yeah. it's, I love it when actors talk about, you know, encountering those things, uh, mainly because I felt that I'm feeling it now in a weird sense with I'm away from theater. I've been away from it for so long. And now, I mean, it's kind of a sappy thing to say, but like, I really love spending time with my dog and now it's gotta be an important piece. It's gotta make, it's gotta stir something to wake me up. What were some of the feelings you were having with theater? Yeah, I mean, I think before, before the shutdown, I, I wasn't really looking to say no to any project. If I had the space, I was gonna say yes. Because I was taught to be that thirsty actor that's like, say yes, say yes, say yes, say yes. And there is a lot of validity in saying yes to open doors and to get experience and to not shut yourself off from an opportunity because maybe you're saying no because it scares you, right? Mm -hmm. But I wasn't choosing projects that excited me always. And there's a big difference between when you do a show and it is you love the show, you love the people, it is magic. It is magic. And I know that can't be every show, but you also know that there are some shows you go into and your full heart is not in it. And that sucks. Mm -hmm. I feel like moving forward, I mean, who knows, right? But moving forward, I, I would like to be a little bit more aware of choosing projects that excite me and not feeling like I just need to fill the space because I've also really enjoyed having the space to create in other ways and to allow other creativity in my life. And I wasn't doing that. I was feeling mm. every, every bit of time with theater. And I think having other creative outlets can fuel my theater and help keep the magic of theater alive for me instead of it becoming just another job, another job, another job, fill the time, mm. the time. Definitely. So how about you, Suze? Mostly, sorry, I was just sitting here taking in everything she's saying. It's kind of fun to get these targeted questions because obviously we talk about some of this stuff, but it's yeah. it's fun to hear it in a framework of <laughs> yeah. question and answer. Um, I think for me, when I say grind, 
I, honestly, I think it's like a ratio of the the parts of theater that I really love, which is basically from rehearsal through performance. Mm -hmm. <laughs> and the parts of theater that I don't enjoy as much, which is from the emails to the researching projects to the, the marketing going, yourself to the going to audition and yeah. trying to find like an appropriate oh there's our dog <laughs> he doesn't like it when we have to market ourselves either he he doesn't no i i understand puppy <laughs> um but kind of finding a, a balance between the two and trying to make sure you're getting enough of the the fun fulfilling wonderful why i do it part um to balance out the the business not as fun part um, mm -hmm. I think that's one of the reasons that I, in Denver, haven't taken my equity card, for example, is I'd rather work more often because that's the part I love yeah. <laughs> than only get to work once a year, if that, uh, yeah. and, yeah. and spend the rest of the time sending emails and researching and auditioning and, you know, yeah. um, I don't know. I don't know if that needs to be in, in here, but I. <laughs> no, I think it's a, it's an excellent point. I mean, there is something to be said. I mean, like equity being an equity actor doesn't necessarily quantify quality of the artistry, right? Like the artist that is equity is not necessarily better than somebody that's doing, I don't know, just a, a church production every three months. Cause they're doing a festival of like passion plays or something like that. I don't know. Sure. It's like there, there's a, there's the chance that they're on the same playing field in terms of talent and dedication yeah. when they're presented with the opportunity. But when you are equity, it seems to be there are, it's from the outsider's perspective, as am I, it seems like it has the potential to be a little more cutthroat. It requires a lot more time. It becomes more job oriented where I don't want to say I don't take things seriously in the perspective of how I am approaching a job, but it seems like you got to work a lot harder more often just to get that one opportunity a year that right. maybe you're not spending that time learning and growing as a person that then infuses, as you've mentioned, how you take to the stage. Well, and there are, of course, there are lovely perks to equity. I, I worked my first equity contract in Goodnight Moon last year at the Denver Center, and it was mm -hmm. awesome. I got some health insurance out of it. I got, you know, um, there's there's a lot of good that comes from it. But I think Absolutely. That unless, like, I personally know that I'm not, I'm not a niche enough actor that people are going to look, are going to, are going to call they're like, oh, I know who we need, Susanna McLeod. Let's get her, you know. And I think there are those actors out there. They're like Billy McBride. Billy McBride, she, I'd give her an equity contract any day. You know what I mean? Hell uh, yes. She does. She's freaking great and a delight to work with, and all of these things. But um, oh gosh, I'm rambling. No, you're good. No, <laughs> I mean, I I totally agree. Billy Billy's fantastic. <laughs> There's so many fantastic artists who are equity and not equity. Sure. And uh, the divide between the two is actually like what makes me really sad more than anything. Mm -hmm. I, I remember back in New York, I had my equity card and Susanna did not. And she was working all the time and I was so jealous and I was hoofing it. And right, like 
but I wasn't booking jobs because I was I was so young. I was so green. I I was competing with people who had Broadway credits. Like I I couldn't really compete at that time, and I I was envious of her experience. And so I think it's really interesting in the Denver market um, that there are you know there's more non-equity than equity members, mm-hmm. and yet I feel like if we could really unite as a community, we could stop being like oh they're the equity and. I got the non-equity contract and they got the equity contract and that having that unification could really help elevate the whole community. Sure. Absolutely. No, that's, that's an exquisite point. I, and I don't want to, I know where I'm coming from and I talk about this, but my ghosties at home, I don't want to make it sound like this, this gap that I'm describing between equity and, and non-equity is like a, a quality control. I'm making. I'm, I'm making a, like a, a general statement about how it feels like in the non-equity game. There are so many theaters that operate on non-equity contracts where there is the potential to get experience and get work and get seen. Whereas if you were to come in right now, green, on an equity contract, the opportunities may be fewer and far between. And it's not going to be necessarily because of your quality of work, but just the fact that there are fewer spots available. Absolutely. Right. Yeah. Very good. Absolutely. I'm glad I got that out there. Yeah. It was like, we, we, I, I was, we were on a good page and I was like, huh, wait a second. Where's that going? I know. It's a, oh. tricky it's, a, it's a tricky, it's a tricky conversation, but I also think like it's a conversation we have to get comfortable with in order to, to kind of, Make change, make change and move through it. But it is a weird one. It's a weird one. Absolutely. I think unions are controversial, no matter what Mm. career you're in. (laughs) They definitely have the, they have the chance to become controversial. You're absolutely right. They're always, what was that, Chloe? No, you go. (laughs) Oh, we'll just, we'll just, yeah. You go. I just wanted to say, we wanted to give you a controversial episode. Well, (laughs) mission accomplished. Speaking of controversial. So tell me, no, I was gonna. I'm not, I was about to make a Family Guy joke that that would have been in bad taste. And, uh, you know, just Dan, edit this out. Just, just take out all of me and just put all the answers. Dan, to the you're doing great. I actually would love for you to talk more, Sam, because I I'm rambling up. A no, you're right. not. So am I. So am I. Um, one of the questions I, I I was thinking about asking you before we got into this, and forgive me if you feel it's uncomfortable. We can definitely avoid it. Have you encountered difficulties in your careers based off of your orientation? I would assume just being the guy that I I was when I got into the game that no, you definitely probably did not encounter that. But the the climate of theater is changing and maybe there is some blowback now or you saw a trend, something like that. Any experiences like that without naming names? For for the longest time, I felt like I presented straight or maybe bi. I had longer hair. I was more of a quote lipstick lesbian. I, I unless you knew me, you you probably didn't assume I was gay. Um, and you know, people would see we had the same name and they'd be like, "Oh, your sisters?" You know, <laughs> happened a lot. And then three years ago, just over three years ago. I, we did fun home and I Mm -hmm. cut off my hair. Um, I cut my hair real short to play a lesbian. (laughs) And, um, since that point, I have played way more queer characters, which 
I'm actually really excited about because that mm. also tells me that more work with queer characters is being produced, which is awesome in my yeah. book. Um, but I, I do maybe feel that people have a harder time considering me for a straight role or a straight presenting, mm. whatever it is. Um, and I have, I have played a couple. I got to do um, Sonia, the Aurora Fox, and I was in love with Andrew Ulenhoff, which was just delightful. What a sweet. Who, who's not in love with Andrew <laughs> Exactly. Yeah. Um, but I, I wonder how often there are times that I'm like, especially for musical theater, there are times that if I want to go in for the, not the ingenue, but like the mom, mm. that I'm, I'm almost tempted to wear a wig just because I think sometimes people have a hard time being like, well, we could wig her and, you know, make her look more traditional young mommy. Yeah. Um, I don't know. It's like people sometimes I feel like people have a hard time visualizing things. And so just the haircut has made a huge difference, I think, in how I've been cast. Hmm. And I think that's a plus in some ways. It's given me a, a niche. It's given me kind of a way to type myself. Um, but I think most actors need to know their type and go after their type and then also have some desire to like play against their type. Mm -hmm. So it's a tricky yeah, balance. It's, it's interesting because I've been uh, jealous at times because her, she is so, because um, she has that specific market. Mm. Um, and because because I don't have short hair, more oftentimes I'm not, usually considered for the queer role hmm. um and so it's it's it, it's interesting and i i think moving forward it'll be uh really important as storytellers as we tell more queer stories that we make sure that we aren't only telling one side of the story um that like look looking at a lot of the queer media i consumed growing up i didn't feel represented because I like to wear dresses and I love my long hair and I like boys and I like girls and I felt so unseen. And I felt like I was wrong because I wasn't straight and I was wrong because I wasn't gay enough. Mm. And I think that like the more we can continue to, to cast and to tell stories that live in the gray, the more uh, compelling stories we will put out there in the world and the more interesting conversations we'll have in the lobby after shows again. Uh, <laughs> I do miss that. One day. That's very eloquent, babe. Was yeah. it? Yeah. Was it? Yeah. That was great. Great. No, it's I when I pose the question, it's I am I'm wondering like maybe there's not something you've encountered in terms of like a wall being put up, not getting cast because of who you were necessarily like maybe experiencing that. But then as Sue's addressed the change, it is such a, a diametric shift when you do something drastic, quote unquote, with your hair, a look thing. Oh, now you definitely fit that. I remember when I cut my hair for a, a role about three, four years ago, I, I immediately had a great audition opportunity for Longmire mm -hmm. and I didn't get it. And I was in the running but my hair had changed from the headshot they had received. Uh. They're like, oh no, he's not Native American. 
Ugh. Well, I'm like 50%. Like I'm Navajo. I just, I just got short hair. There's no short haired Native Americans on the res apparently. So something like that for me, maybe a little more tangible, not something you necessarily experience, but you're absolutely right, Chloe, in terms of getting to this place where it's not so much based off of an, an assumption of what being queer should be or look like or sound like and vice versa. And to your point for being Native American, what Native American, like what that should look like. Mm -hmm. There is no sh like make right. continuing to present the should or what people's first image is, is not speaking to their highest intelligence. And that's what's playing into the cyclical nature of systematic racism and sexism and homophobia. We're not seeing that we all look alike. We are all the same or that we all have our own unique tastes. Like, Suze, you look like you could get any man in the bar if you wanted to. Oh, thanks, Sam. Of course. <laughs> That's real nice. Yeah. <laughs> I feel like it's been a long time since I felt like I could get every man in the bar. And I think that was since cutting my hair, honestly. it's They're just <laughs> intimidated by her beauty. Absolutely. <laughs> see, very, see, very few guys can handle another peacock. <laughs> True. <laughs> it's so good. It's, it's I've been cutting big. her hair during quarantine. I've been learning a lot. I can tell. <laughs> Ryan Stack and I just duke it out for highest swoop. Oh it's man. Continuous. That would be now that's a web series. Right. <laughs> oh my god. Weekly hairstyles with Ryan and Suze. It's just gotta be called the highest swoop. The highest swoop. <laughs> yeah. Dan for Thanks, the win. Dan. <laughs> That cracked, me, that cracked me up. I had to jump in. <laughs> <laughs> that means he's cutting this section, right? Is that what that means? Yeah, probably. Yeah, probably. I don't cut any section that I'm in. I got to hear my voice at least once in an episode. Oh, there you uh, go. Yes, you do. It's good for mm. a ghost. Since you're a ghosty, the voice just kind of appears. That's right. I mean, he is He is the god, Mike. Nice. <laughs> with your publication of the book have you what has that done with your creative focus are you thinking about doing something like that again is it steering you more to a social media conscious um creative outlet or was that just this spur of the circumstances type deal i think that for me just having kind of a photographic series is something that I'm very interested in doing again. I hadn't really done it before. And I think I had mentioned to Chloe that I would like to do one at some point. We we saw an amazing exhibit uh, a couple of years back that it's called like Wonder, Wonderlust, Wonderbound, Wonder, Wonder, I don't know, no, no. a photographic okay. exhibit that it was just stunning. Mm. And ever since then, I've kind of been itching to do something. And she came up with this idea to do a single photo next to photo like oh this is the beginning of quarantine and this is later in quarantine and yeah. the sitting on the toilet image they're like oh we've got tons of toilet paper and we don't have any toilet paper and we did that one and then we were like as we were shooting the first one we were talking about other ones we could do we were like well we could also do this or this or this and we got really excited working on it and and i think 
once we decided to make it a thing and do it for a few weeks, it, it was, it was really fun to have that joint focus and, and to get creative about something totally different that we're not used to. And to get, to get creative as a way to, uh, to cope with what was happening, right? Mm. I mean, when we started, the plan was not to do as many images as we did. We started doing more images because it was a way to connect with our community. It was a creative outlet for both of us. It was a, a new a new way for us to creatively collaborate. And then the more feedback we got where people were like, oh my God, you just made my day. We're like, okay, well, let's make their day again. How many, can we do some more of these? Yeah, it was, it was good. It was nice to know that we weren't alone in these in these sort of ridiculous times that we're in that mm. to, to find the, the humor in all of it was, uh, for me, it was so necessary. And I haven't really thought about doing another, like, I don't imagine we'll do another like quarantine series. Watch, I'll say that. And then tomorrow I'll be like, I have a bright idea. I won't, <laughs> but uh, I, I would love to collaborate again in a photo series um, of some kind. It was really fun to have Chloe there. I feel like she almost acted as the the art director or the mm. scenic. Who's the person that not the scenic designer, but it, the like cinematographer. A, no, the person that like dresses the set and does production designer. They do sure. like all of the so, yeah production kind of design. A combo, of, a, set combo of a couple of jobs and dressing yeah. and. Um, so it was fun to have her eye and then I would generally like frame the shot and figure out how to make it look pretty photographically. But she got really into the the decorating and the finding the little funny things to hide in the background and the, the Easter, Easter eggs. eggs. Yeah. They're my favorite. <laughs> it's funny. We have a couple of uh, kids, kids in our life, nieces and nephews who have used the book and and parents almost use it like an I spy book. Like they'll be like, where's Zaxby? And then they'll get to point to Zaxby. I'm like, where's, you know, a ball? Where's a beer can? Oh, wait. Whoops, should we be teaching that to kids? I don't know. <laughs> Too late. Oopsies. I love uh, one of the things I was thinking as we're talking about it, the, the book again, is this, you were the creator of the, how it started and how it is now meme. Yes. Well, I'll maybe. take credit for that. We'll take sure. credit. <laughs> we'll yeah. Take credit. <laughs> yeah, definitely. You just put it you just put it in hardback just because <laughs> just because people don't read or look at pictures anymore unless it's on their phone doesn't well, mean you didn't start it. I'll I'll take the credit. Yeah. Absolutely. There are still a few copies left. I want to say like 12, but I don't want them on my coffee table, so if y'all want to order them just What's that website? mccloud9creative.com. MCL EOD number nine creative.com. <laughs> and nice. for anyone who doesn't know the book, the proceeds are going to the Denver Actors Fund. Yay, Actors Fund. DAF. So buy those books. Please. Somebody just buy all 12 or nine? 12. 12. Buy all 12. Buy all 12. I will write you a poem. Ooh. Look at that. Getting creative in other ways. Or I'll Extra. write a short play. Chloe just started writing, just saying, throwing her under the bus. So let's let's whip it out. We'll do a cold read right now. <laughs> cold read of the play? Okay. Uh, of your new play. I'll to you right now. <laughs> Sounds good. I'll, I'll bring it up and I'll if read the narrator. Answer, we could do yes. it. <laughs> Sam's the narrator. That's, it's fine. No one wants to hear me read. 
Uh, what do you envision is going to be new for Colorado theater after, or as we transition, hopefully through the last six months of this fingers crossed, right. maybe longer. Get the mm -hmm. vaccines flowing. Please get shots. I think we're going to see a lot of um, new works, which I'm excited about. I'm hope. I also think that, uh, there might be some more local playwrights that we're actually going to see their works produced on more stages. Uh, I think we're going to see a lot of two-handers. Yeah, definitely small yeah. cast stuff. I also am really hoping that we'll see more local actors in some of the bigger theaters that maybe to save on budget or whatever, they might hire more local actors, which would be awesome. Or to keep it in the community, maybe, maybe. Yeah, um, you know, I'm curious. I'm as of now, I'm um, going to be doing the Colorado Shakespeare Festival this summer. Oh, um, I was excited to do it last summer um, to do Helena and A Midsummer Night's Dream and Helena of Troy and many more in the Odyssey. Um, and the plan is for the outside company to to still do it. So I'm really uh, curious and excited to see what that looks like. Um, you know, we have a lot of safety protocols in place as of now and then we'll just adjust as as time goes on but that's a larger cast so i'm really uh i'm excited and nervous and and it'll be um it'll be a ride it'll be an experience creating art during a pandemic weird like, what yeah well you just you just get flexible you just get flexible yeah it's got to be different you've got to take certain precautions and if you are uncomfortable with taking those precautions, then it's okay to step away from the game. Absolutely. It's all right. It's I've been at times overly optimistic about the future of the business. Probably. I know there are a lot of people out there that are hurting and they're, they're trying to, yeah. they're, they're trying to either occupy their minds so they don't go insane and make sure that they can keep that roof over their head or food coming in, you know, all those things. Yeah. But there's, there is this, ability it will be there if you're staying sharp you come back to it it will it, it will be there and i'm i'm excited to hear that you're going to be involved in the csf outdoor performances i mean that's 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 big time you deserve it and that's a great light at the end of this tunnel it's it's an amazing you're very sweet it's an amazing light at the end of the tunnel um and and for me, it's, you know, I'm really grateful to have that light at the end of the tunnel when I know so many amazing artists that don't have that light right now. Mm -hmm. So I, I guess, I guess I, I hope when we come out of this as a community that we can see every other other people in the community's wins as our win, that it's a shared win. Mm -hmm. And the greatest win will be to make sure that the arts and theater in our community thrives coming out of this and that's going to mean that we're all going to have to come together and and not not go about it as a this theater oh i'm i don't work with them and i only work here and i did it at, like we need to be a one community and mm -hmm. i really really that is my hope and my greatest fear is that like if we can't come together as a community what that would look like for all of us absolutely that would sound um, like Joe Biden's inauguration speech. Not even close. <laughs> just just weeping with joy. Unity, unity. Unity. I'm not doing Rubik's Cube. Just, yeah. Rubik's Cube. <laughs> hey, it's okay. I've said I've said fuck 45 multiple times on this podcast. Oh, good. Okay. Good for so, you. Great. So yeah, I watched I watched him 
multiple times, give speeches with my fingers crossed and tears in my eyes. Like, let me get through this. Let yeah, him yeah. get through this. Yes, we sir. Skipped episode forty-five specifically. We went from forty-four to forty-six. No, you didn't. Yeah. <laughs> oh, that's yeah. awesome. Yeah, that was a deliberate choice. Like, we're not, we're not giving that. Nah. Yeah. Go, go, go. Get stuck in a bunker in Mar-a-Lago. Yes. <laughs> you overweight orange cheeseburger. <laughs> Before we go. Mm-hmm. I want to ask you a question, something that came up earlier when we were talking. You both mentioned specific levels of safety within the theater community when you encountered the art. What, how did that manifest itself for you individually? It's a unique, it, it, not a unique necessarily thought, but it's, I am intrigued by the differences that that creates because I find safety to be a societal, personal construct that if you find that in those separate groups, like what was it? Was it, were you surrounded by more people like you? Hmm. That's a really good question. Please elaborate. If you have an answer, go. I think for me, like when I talked about finding safety when I was younger that I found my tribe, I think the safety comes from a space of, a space of inclusion, a space of curiosity, um, a safe space to play, that there is a freedom to be wrong, that there is not one right way to do anything, and that at the end of the day, it's not about the ego circling back, it's not about the ego, that it's about the collaboration and the collective, that that sort of space that's that's the dream Hmm. for me absolutely i have nothing eloquent to say i really (laughs) don't have anything to add to that i don't i don't know i sometimes i freeze up when uh okay (laughs) i get like very specific questions um can i think about it and maybe get back to you at some point (laughs) absolutely how about this when your career started what is that ghost light you wish was left on for you? That piece of advice that you learned later in life that you're like, oh, crap, that would have been helpful. Chloe, if you're ready, why don't you go first? I was going to say, uh, <laughs> for me, I was ready. I was like, let her go first. Um, I think for me, it would have been, you are the only one who can be you. It's true. I got caught up in the imitation game. I was really good at being somebody else. Oh, yes. You're not alone there, Chloe. Absolutely. That's how I got started. It was really easy to be different in front of people when I was being somebody else. Yeah. When I was being different as me, it always felt like I was pushing people away. So to have it on stage, bring people in, I'm like, oh, okay. Fuck yeah. I think that's to to bring billy mcbride back into the conversation please do (laughs) no i just remember being in a dressing room with her a few years ago and she was talking about how how important it is to bring yourself to each role that like there is a reason you were chosen no matter how well you can put on a character or make choices or 
improvise or sing or whatever it is that like there's something in you that made them choose you for this role and so i think trusting that and and hearing billy say that because there's there's such there's this beautiful um i feel like so many people are like oh what a chameleon oh yes they can play every role ever and it's like yes there's something great about that but there's also something great about like knowing who you are and bringing a little piece of that to every character you play absolutely i feel like if you're willing to do that capable of being that vulnerable that's the that's the grounded performance that everyone gravitates towards yes and then it doesn't require you necessarily to change so much and then the changes that you do provide to a character they're so subtle and nuanced at that point that then the audience is really hooked it's yeah. not like necessarily all of a sudden i start doing a terrible southern accent <laughs> because i need to be bigger and different like there's it, it resides within you that gravitas that's, that's the way to find honesty if it's like oh that that is gonna land if you come at it from an honest place well the honest place is somewhere inside you the person the human not the character like the, the human that is embodying this character absolutely and that's when you feel like you get something really special i think and that's what's so beautiful about theater is that every night that authenticity that that part of you has to remain different because you are different every day and every mm -hmm. performance. Definitely. That's what I meant. <laughs> well, we'll get back to it soon enough. Here I you. believe it. Yeah. Ladies, thank you so much for sitting down with me today, this evening, talking to me on the Ghost Lights podcast. Um, ghosties at home, please keep your head up, keep your masks on, and trust me, we're almost through it. We're coming back. It ain't going anywhere. Dan, do the damn thing. Sounds good. That's good. <laughs> we, won't, we won't mention that. That, Chloe, you bring up an excellent uh, segue into my only rule. Okay. If you're going to say something that might get you fired, say Rubik's Cube.